you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Oh, busy week on the Pro Day circuit as we welcome you to the latest edition of the Move the Sticks podcast. I got Bucky Brooks in the house. I am the ghost of Rhett Lewis. The real <laughs> Rhett Lewis died, in fact, waiting for Drew Locke to throw. To oh, end his for program. sure. <laughs> no, no, no. For sure. What we experienced today was unlike anything I have ever experienced when it comes to a pro day. We were in full hurry up and wait. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I've, people out there, fans of the show that were watching the pro day special today, I apologize. I teased to you that we were going to have Drew Locke's pro day coming up for two hours. Oh, I mean. Really two plus. He came on at about uh, was yeah. one twenty-five Eastern time. I mean, you did a great job of teasing it. Too. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I, I great, did that all for you. I mean, a great job of teasing. Uh, hey, he's about to throw. <laughs> he is going to throw. Oh, trust me. He did, in fact, throw. We'll get to his pro day here in just a moment. In fact, that's why uh, I am, in fact, in for Daniel Jeremiah. He has been out on the road. He is, uh, I assuming, somewhere uh, in between Columbia, Missouri, and back here in L.A. Uh, the The biggest question, though, is how much Chick-fil-A he's actually consumed <laughs> out on the road. It's uh, It could get ugly. Oh, uh, my I, gosh. I yeah. mean. Because he likes to keep no. it real simple. <laughs> real simple. Five minutes in and out. Throw that thing away, and then let's move on. Uh, let's get back <laughs> into the tape. That's that's what he's doing. Uh, love DJ. He did a great job for us out on the road. And let's start with Dwayne Haskins' pro day. We had that for you Wednesday right here on NFL Network. Look, this was probably my favorite pro day that we've done thus far this season. Um, it was a it was a really impressive workout for Dwayne Haskins for a lot of different reasons. Uh, hit some of those for us right now, Buck. You know, Dwayne Haskins has always been a very very impressive prospect. Like even though he's a one year starter, but when you watched him on tape, what he was able to do in the Big Ten, yeah, fifty touchdowns, eight interceptions. So you knew he was 
really talented. But then when you watched him throw at the workout, I think he confirmed all those things. Classic drop-back passer, a guy with exceptional arm talent, can make every throw and really make it very effortlessly. Um, and then he, what he tried to do was answer some of the questions about the subtle movement skills yeah, that, that he I had. thought was interesting. In the pocket, the, the subtle movements, being able to stay within the pocket and doing those things. And what I've said and what I've con- continued to say is, he is the traditional drop-back passer that has been the dominant player in our league for the last 30 years. His ability to make throws from the pocket is exactly what every offensive coordinator um, has always wanted. And I think when you look at him and how he plays, the questions that you have is, can he survive? Is he going to be a sitting duck? And then secondly, how does that experience or lack of experience translate into performance early in his career? And I think at the pro day, I come away a little more convinced that he will be able to have success right away because um, not only the talent, but I feel like he's a very mature, charismatic leader who just kind of connects with his teammates. And then when you talk to people about how he's interviewed and what he's been able to display um, when it comes to working the board, man, he's smart as a whip. He's an A-plus kid when it comes to his IQ. I just think he is destined for stardom in the league, and I think – the pro day workout gave you a glimpse of what he could be at the next level. 28 Ohio State records, seven Big Ten records, including those 50 touchdown passes, which breaks Drew Brees' Big Ten mark, uh, which he set back at Purdue. Uh, look, impressive all in one season. And so with that comes a little extra scrutiny, right? Uh, would he have been able to stack that on top of one another and, and keep going? And the other thing that you bring up with a guy with limited experience is the leadership. How does he respond to the guys? And I thought Ryan Day kind of helped answer that for us when he sat down with DJ uh, after the Haskins workout and said that he saw Dwayne's leadership evolve after he got more games under his belt. And the one thing that I'll say about him in just observing him in interviews, going all the way back to the Super Bowl, and then seeing him talk to our guys there after the workout, comfortable in the spotlight and buck that is something that would play well if, in fact, the Giants, mm-hmm. who are sitting there at number six, who had Pat Shermer in attendance, uh, I- if they decide to turn in the card with Haskins' name on it. Yeah, because I think you have to be very comfortable with the personality, especially if you're the Giants coming on the heels of whatever their reasons for getting rid of Odell Beckham Jr. Yep. Um, the guy who's going to be the long-term face of the franchise has to be someone that kind of falls in line with maybe – that little more conservative slant that the Giants want to take when it comes to being kind of the bell of the ball. And so Dwayne Haskins, I believe, can not only handle the spotlight, but I think he understands how to kind of subdue it when he needs to so that he can maintain his focus on being the best football player, the best team leader that he needs to be, and not necessarily the Broadway star that everyone is kind of celebrating and doing those things um, in terms of the endorsements and the -the off-the-field stuff that he's a football-focused guy and that he's going to be the best player that he can be because he's going to put the work in. Yeah, no question. And, you know, he said he's okay if he is drafted by the Giants, was a Giants fan growing up in New Jersey, okay sitting behind Eli Manning, who the Giants have made quite clear is their guy uh, right now for 2019. Now, that said, I I think with Dwayne Haskins and thinking about the Giants, um, David Gettleman said something uh, a few weeks ago. He talked about the Kansas City model worked really well for Pat Mahomes. And I think what it is, I don't know if Gettleman is boxed into anything right now at this point at number six. I think he could be swayed and convinced to, hey, maybe I do need to take a quarterback. Good options. Or maybe, you know what? I feel like the pass rushers are going to give us more bang for the buck. Say what you want to about them not taking a quarterback last year. Saquon Barkley 
they hit on. Saquon yeah. Barkley was everything that we thought it would be. And so if they get another blue-chip player at that pick and then maybe come back later and get the quarterback, how can you knock the plan? And so he just has to make a decision. Is Dwayne Haskins worthy of being the number six pick based on his personality and his game? Not likely. Nick Bosa there at number six when the Giants hit the clock. Uh, certainly expecting him to be gone in the top five. Did not get to see him at the pro day, but – Look, he answered all the questions at the Combine, right? And, you know, even though we only saw him in three games in his final year at Ohio State, uh, you have any any issue with him passing on participation no, at the Pro Day? No, because that's why you should work at the Combine. You work at the Combine because every general Everybody's manager, there. every head coach, every scout in the league, they're in attendance. And so if you knock out uh, your workout at the Combine, if you kind of check all the marks, there's really no need for you to participate in the Pro Day. And because we have seen, I won't say a rash of injuries, yeah. but because we've seen a number of injuries pop up well, high days of, late, ones. of high-profile guys, yeah. there's no need for him to put himself at risk. He's shown everybody everything that he could display. Right now, it's just about him getting ready to get for get ready for training camp yeah. and to hear his name called on draft night. There's nothing else that he's going to show at a pro day that's ultimately going to change his draft status. Still there, talking with coaches and general managers. In fact, had dinner with the 49ers contingent, including GM John Lynch, night before the pro day. 49ers owners of the number two overall pick. And we've got the 360 series coming back this year, Bucky. Two Buckeyes, in fact, Leading off the 360 series this year, we'll have Dwayne Haskins 360 Tuesday, March 26th, and then we'll hear the story, the full story on Bosa Tuesday, April 2nd. How about we get back in time a little bit to Tuesday? Had to throw my analyst hat on for this one. Mm, uh, I, I Buck, saw it uh, on NFL Network. You I know, saw that. Had to do it. Had to do it as we got a look at the Alabama Pro Day. No quarterback this year throwing. That could certainly change next year. We'll Maybe. Get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, but, uh, you know, before we break down the Crimson Tide prospects, uh, DJ there in Tuscaloosa, so was Kim Jones uh, for NFL Network on Tuesday, and they caught up with head coach Nick Saban and projected first-round pick defensive tackle Quinnen Williams. Along with Kim Jones, we're pleased to be joined by the man who runs this place, Coach Nick Saban. Coach, thank you so much for taking some time for us uh, today. Good to be here. What's the feeling like on a day like today? It's almost, it feels like another graduation for these players. Well, uh, I certainly appreciate what all these guys have done to help us be successful. They've done a great job for us here, and uh, we know it's a lot of them's dream to have an opportunity to play at the next level. So we'd like to help them every way that we can uh, so they get the best opportunity to have a chance to play at the next level. And uh, it's good to see you know, all the people from the NFL here who are showing interest in these players, uh, which is a good start for them. Nick, Quinnen Williams is a little bit of a phenomenon to those of us who weren't around him for his whole career, a one-year guy. But what did you see from him that led you to believe he could be this player? Well, we like Quentin coming out of high school. You know, he wasn't quite as big as a lot of the other guys that would be the so-called five-star guy or whatever. Uh, and maybe that's why he didn't get recruited quite as highly as some others. But uh, we thought because of his quickness and his athleticism, he could develop, you know, the kind of size and strength that he needed to be a very dominant player and actually played well for us prior to this year. Just went sort of under the radar because he didn't play all that much. But we always thought he could be a really, really good player, and he certainly didn't disappoint us this year and had a fabulous year. Coach, on the scouting side of things, I'm always intrigued by what you see going through the recruiting process. And 
You can look to some five-star guys out in this field, but you mentioned Quinnen, and Josh Jacobs is another one that you guys found that wasn't recruited by everybody in the nation. If you're looking for those core values that you're looking for in a player, what are they? Well, we sort of define for every position, you know, what we're looking for from a critical factor standpoint, but uh, character, ability to communicate, intelligence, size and speed. Um, and, you know, sometimes guys meet our criteria and they really, I mean, we kind of go about it like the draft. Yeah. So it doesn't matter really how many stars they get or what everybody else thinks of them. You know, this is recruiting as an inexact science. The NFL draft is a bit of an inexact science. Uh, so we've been fortunate to be able to see some guys and find some guys that turned out to be really good players that maybe got overlooked. When you look at Quinnen and, and Jonah Williams in practices, how did they make each other better? Well, I think that's the number one thing if you talk to our players that play in the league, that they would tell you that the fact that our players get challenged every day by the guy they practice against. You know, Jonathan Allen will say, well, I had to practice against Cam Robinson every day for three years. And Marlon Humphrey will say, I had to cover Amari Cooper every day for three years. And because they were challenged in practice, that really helped them improve as players. Uh, and, and I think those two guys would probably say very much the same. Coach, I know you're going to miss a lot of the talent that these guys present. But from, from a leadership standpoint, who's going to be difficult for you to replace in this group of guys we have out here right now? Well, I mean, there's quite a few guys in this group that would be hard to single out somebody who didn't set a good example, who wasn't someone who the other players could emulate that you couldn't just point to and say, just do it like that guy does it. Um, it would almost be unfair uh, to a lot of these guys to single one guy out because this was a, a, a really special group. Nick, when it comes to Josh Jacobs, what would you tell the NFL about his work ethic and his versatility in particular? Well, they're not going to find anybody that's going to work any harder uh, to try to be the best player that he can be. And, and we're talking about a guy that's blue collar now. He'll run the ball, he'll catch passes, he'll play receiver, he'll run speed sweeps. Um, then he'll turn around and run down on a kickoff and never, never, never take himself out of a special team. I mean, he was on three core special teams for us. And if we were ahead 56 to nothing, he never asked to come out. So he's that kind of competitive character type of guy. He's going to do the best he can for his team. Uh, but from a running back standpoint, you know, the guy can carry it inside. He can carry it outside. He's very quick. He's got power. Uh, he can run behind his pads, and he's an extremely good receiver, and he's very difficult to cover as a third down back. So this guy's pretty complete. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of Josh Jacobs, what he brings to the table. Coach, we saw you with, with Coach Belichick. You guys go back forever. Uh, get a chance to visit with an old friend like that. We were just curious, talking with some buddies, what, what was that conversation? What was going on in that well, conversation? Well, there was a lot of conversation there. You know, we're <laughs> old friends, so we have lots of stories to tell and, you know, things that we both learned from that we messed up in the past, even when we were together. Uh, and, you know, we talk personally about our families. We talk about, I was really close with his dad. Um, and, you know, we talk football some, and obviously it's important to um, get a good evaluation on players. So we, we talk about a lot of players as well. I like to sit on that conversation. The best coach in the history of college football talking to the best coach in the history of the NFL. Coach, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. We get a chance here with Kim to, to welcome Quinnen to the set. Quinnen, yes, a, a nice easy day for you today. What, what went into the decision today to, uh, to stand on what you did at the combine? Uh, just, um, I, I had just got uh, a finger. Uh, I had messed my finger up during the season. I had messed some ligaments in it. And so I didn't want to, uh, I just got it fixed. 
and right after the combine, I just want to injure it anymore and things like that by getting my stands too much and putting a lot of pressure on hitting things and different things like that. So I'm trying to get ready for OTAs and rookie minicamp and things like that after the draft. So um, I feel like I did a lot of things, impressive things at the combine, and uh, I solidified myself in my position on the things that I did on the field, and I bagged up my performance at the combine with my performance on the field. So. Let's be honest, you were outstanding at the Combine, and you don't need to add to that, Quinnen. <laughs> when you look at this draft, it's a great draft for the defense, for mm -hmm. the D-line. Do you think you're the best player in this draft? Um, it's a lot of great guys in this defensive line group, like um, Christian Wilkinson, uh, Destin Lawrence, Ed Oliver, a lot of guys who got great performance. But I feel like I have a lot of stuff uh, that's better than those guys, a lot of attributes that's good, better than those guys. My IQ level is higher than those guys, so I feel like I'm one of the best uh, defensive tackle in this group. I thought you were the most dominating player on tape that I watched this entire season. Thank you. Each and every game, you brought it. Now, the question that's going to come up is, I know there's a lot of talent here at Alabama, yes, but sir. this was the year where you took off. Yes, What's sir. your answer to teams when they ask you about your previous years and the lack of production? Um, I just had to bag up um, guys who was uh, better, guys who's in the NFL right now, first-round guys, and I just had to play my part, man. Playing here at Alabama, you got a lot of great guys. Uh, you got a lot of NFL potential guys, a lot of guys who um, – are great at what they do, and you just got to play your role. And when it's your opportunity to come up, it's your decision to um, make the best of that opportunity. So this year, I knew Deron Payne was leaving, and I knew that both DNs was coming back. So, and I played DN at the time, and I wanted to get on the field. So I made that transition to gain the weight. Um, How much did get, you gain? How much weight did you almost, gain? Almost, I think about 40, 45 pounds. I went from like 270 to like three, 300 and something, uh, something like in that range. But uh, gain the weight and play learn the position, um, just learn how to do the different techniques like um, double team, sit in and uh, learn the different things in the inside and make the best of my opportunity. So, How did you gain that amount of weight and keep your explosiveness and quickness? Um, Coach Cocker and Miss Amy, man, like my our nutritionist here, Miss Amy, Brad, right after I got done talking to Coach Saban about making that decision, I had went to Coach Cocker first because he got straight and he know I wanted to play very well. He man. know I'm a good player. And he's seen me develop since I came in and out. And I told him my decision was that I wanted to move to defensive, defensive tackle or nose guard. And he was like, we can do it. Like, you just got to be disciplined. You got to work at it. And it's on you. And then I was like, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm, I'm disciplined. I'm ready to play this year. So then I went and talked to Miss Amy because you can't gain 40 pounds of muscle. So I had to make sure I eat right, make sure I do a lot of things in my diet-wise so I can gain good fats and good uh, stay explosive and things like that. So Now, we have a bunch of general managers here, a bunch of teams. I know you had a chance. Uh, it was reported that you met with the, with the Giants. Do you have any other meetings set up? A lot of times they surround these pro days. Are you going to meet mm -hmm. with any other teams? Yeah, I'm going to meet with a few teams uh, here, here today. You know and we want names. Uh, <laughs> I'll be with. Everybody's gonna find out. Yeah, I'll be with a few top teams, but I really don't. I really don't know exactly what teams right now. Yeah. But I just know I will find out after the pro day itself. But I know I'm gonna meet with a few top teams, and I'm I'm happy to meet with them. Like man, I love talking about football. I love talking about life, and I'm just really excited to start my journey off in the NFL, man. So like CJ Mosley here today, and I just man, I just. I just got too excited because I'm like, man, I play. I got you on my he ultimate team. He can afford to take you out to you lunch, You saw his contract. Yeah. yeah, I seen his contract. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I just, man, like, I got CJ Moore on my ultimate team. Man, he one of the best players on my ultimate team just to see I'm playing. I'm going following the same shoes, leaving Alabama, entering the draft from Alabama, and maybe potentially go play with him. So it's like it's so cool, like, just the whole process, and I'm enjoying every bit of it. But I know I got a bigger picture ahead. Uh, with Ricky Minicamp and getting drafted and just starting my journey off uh, in the NFL. So.
went in before you joined us we had a touching piece by you mm -hmm. um, an interview with you that was so well done and my, our colleague Chase Goodbread also did a fantastic piece mm -hmm. a lot of it centered on your losing your mother mm -hmm. when you were 12 yes ma'am what kind of impact has that left on your life uh, it made a huge impact not uh, not bad not in a negative way but in a positive way like, I know my mom uh, taught me a lot of stuff a lot of fundamental stuff a lot of things like respect discipline uh, effort to do things and she was an educator so school came first and that never left me the thing she left me with I use every day every day like every day in life me being a celebrity me being a, a NFL prospect I'm still going to school to get my degree because it just in me like it's just in me because my whole family educated and things like that and um, just looking at like people may think oh man you 21 you finna go make millions and millions of dollars like that it really don't matter to me uh, I just want to be the best person I can be on the field and off the field and be the best person uh, for my family and just say a good example for the kids back in Birmingham who who had this who like I know people who had this process uh, it could have been in this spot but didn't have nobody to lead them in the right, right. way. And she's so, still leading you now. Oh yeah, for sure, for you sure. believe that? Yes, I, I for sure believe she leading me now. Like, cause just everything, everything she do, everything I do, I think about uh, what my mama gonna think about if I do this. <laughs> like, even in the, even in like off the field in the dark, mm -hmm. like. I just be like, what I need to do, you know what I'm saying, to be right. the best person I can be. You know she's proud, right? Oh, I for sure know. I for sure know. I see it in my grandma. Like, my grandma, she, my grandma, like, she an educator first. Mm -hmm. So when she found out I was leaving school early, she took it hard. Because okay. she didn't know the process and stuff like that about leaving school early and I'm going to get a degree. But I was like, man, like, that's crazy. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I get a chance to even go to the NFL, so it was dope. Well, I'm going to let you go be with your teammates and watch your teammates yeah. go through the workout today. Last thing before we let you leave, Miss Amy helped you put on 40. Could mm -hmm. she help me take off five? <laughs> she probably should. I know she uh, – we got a player – we had a player named Deontay Brown. He had a little weight problem, and she – man, she be on you, like, on you Ms. to Amy. the max. Yes, Miss right, Amy. Your favorite food on your way out the door is what? Uh, Probably be I – I, I, I trained in L.A., so I had a lot of different healthy, good things. So it would be <laughs> lamb chops. Lamb lamb chops. Chops. There, we go. The there you go. That's unique. All right. We'll take it. All right. Quinn, right. thank you very much. All right. Much. Thank you. All right. So this is some interesting insight getting from both Saban. I love Quinn and Williams. I just like, I want to go give him a hug. You know, <laughs> like he just, he, he smiles. He is, he is a happy dude. And I love, um, there was a great back to campus series uh, on NFL.com where uh, Chase Goodbread wrote a really good piece on Quentin Williams talking about dealing with the loss of his mother to cancer uh, when he was 12 years old. And his brother, Quincy, his older brother, uh, talked about how, you know, he's a guy in Quentin who will hold the door open for a lady, help carry your bag of groceries. If you got a heavy box, he'll help you move it. And he gets all that from his mom. That's just the way he is. And then, though, he flips the switch and he becomes the monster that we saw this year. And, and ultimately – He's the right kind of football player that every team wants, meaning you want the gentleman that is uh, yes. the perfect guy away from the field. But when he steps in between the lines, he flips the switch and he becomes uh, a nasty, uh, disruptive player, a guy that is a force on the field. That is what Quentin Williams is. He is a nice, fun-loving guy. Like everything about him, he sounds like he's as country as corn. He's a lovable big old teddy bear. But then there's something about when he – puts on the Alabama uniform, and he straps it up. He is a different guy. He is a tempo setter, yep. a difference maker. Um, he's a dominant player. And, in fact, I think you can make the case that maybe he's the best player in the draft based on how he has 
dominated the game his final season. Um, but I think the big thing that we have to look at when it comes to him, when you're picking that high up, how what kind of impact will he make overall in the passing game? Uh, you talk about Marcio Darius, a former Alabama Crimson Tide player, went two overall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of just over- four defensive linemen since 03 that have been drafted in the top three. Right. And so when, when, when you think about that and what kind of impact did Darius make, he has been a two-time Pro Bowler, but typically if you're selected in the top five, you have to be able to impact the passing game. And can Williams give you enough bang for the buck when right. it comes to sacking the quarterback and disrupting the passing game to make it worthy of being a top two or three pick? Uh, the two running backs, probably the top two running backs in the draft right now, depending on who you ask. I think they are for you. Am I correct? Yes, number one, they number are. Number two, Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris. We did not see Josh Jacobs at the combine, was dealing with a little bit of an injury. He comes back, runs his 40, 4.60, I believe, was the official time. That enough for you to be a first-round pick? He's a tricky one. Yeah. And he's a tricky one for me because he's kind of been anointed up there. And I believe he benefits from the Alvin Kamara bounce. Yeah. Alvin Kamara was a guy that should have been a first-round pick, wasn't picked in the first round, goes in the third round for whatever reason. He now outplays that status. So everyone is looking for the next guy that has had success that's flashed, but the production didn't necessarily match the talent when you looked at the tape. Kamara was different, though, because I think the production was there. You just had to look. The question that you had about him, he never touched it more than 18 times in a game. Yeah. When I look at Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs has never been over 1,000 yards. Right. So we, we've kind of given him the benefit of the doubt that he is going to be this star at the next level. He's a first-round pick. What happens when but, you start loading up the touches? Right. right? What's, do you what, get the same type of production? What, what happens when you start loading yeah. up touches? And what happens when you're the man? Yeah. When everyone knows that you're the RB1, we're going to hand it to you, we're going to drop an extra defender in the box. Can you survive and thrive in that environment? And I think there's a case to be made where – I don't know because the, the track record isn't – there's not enough history to say that yeah. he can do it. And so I'm a little worried. I think the talent, when I talk to running back coaches, I say, look, man, the guy can do it all. You heard Nick Saban's strong endorsement. He talked about the guy being able to be a three-down back. He's tough. He's physical. He's a worker. He'll get on special teams. He'll do anything right. and everything. Right. So I like the work ethic, but at some point you just want to make sure that the production matches up and meets – where he should be drafted. To put that in per, into perspective, 252 career touches. That's in the run game and in the pass game for Josh Jacobs. And by comparison, well, let's talk another guy in this class, David Montgomery, out of Ohio State. Or, excuse me, out of Iowa State. 257 carries this year. So look, you know, there's just it, the sample size is a little bit different. When you go to Damian Harris, the, the thing that just keeps popping into my mind here, I I, go, I, I think about the program. I think Damian Harris. Uh, you know, or you have Josh, you have uh, Josh Jacobs, you know, Darnell Jefferson, mm-hmm. tailback. And then you have Damian Harris, Ray Griffin, yep. starting tailback. You know what I mean? Like he's the guy who started, he trot him out there when they need the tough yards, right? Yes. A guy who can get it in between the tackles. Funny thing to me is he's, he's the exact same measurable guy to Alvin Kamara. Yes. But they're different runners. Different runners. Not as, as explosive, not yeah. as dynamic with the ball in his hands, but he's just um, what I call kind of like a – a, a blue-collar, tough guy yeah. when it comes to running the ball. The thing that is funny is how he's kind of been cast to the side. Heading into the season, he was the guy that was universally celebrated as the number one running back sure. in the class. 
I don't know what he did, like maybe because he lost his job in some way at Alabama, but we've kind of thrown him to the heap, and we really haven't had a discussion <laughs> no, about Damian Harrison. He's a productive Harrison. dude. Oh, yeah, oh, what he is, yeah. but he's been very, very yeah. productive. And so he is upstage because Josh Jacobs finished the year with a bang, and I think it is almost like a fight where you kind of win on the cards because you get the little Sugar Ray Leonard flurry at right, the right, end right, of the, right. the round. And that's what Josh Jacobs has been able to do. But Damian Harris is a very, very good running back in his own right. Uh, Ray Griffin, starting tailback. Love it. Dwayne yeah. Damian Harris. Hey, uh, quickly on Irv Smith. Um, look, his dad was one of my favorite Saints. I've mentioned this. Uh, a former first-round pick of the New Orleans Saints. I believe it was back in 1993 um, out of Notre Dame. Uh, it went to Brother Martin High School in New Orleans. And, look, he's a, a really good player, right? Probably number three tight end. Mm-hmm. But does he do enough – really really well is he an elite enough pass catcher or an elite enough pass or run blocker or pass blocker to be a first round pick i think so okay i think he's elite enough i think he's he's kind of a mix he's a flex tight end i I do i believe he blocks well enough to be able to uh hold his own on the edges and he has enough athleticism to be a difference maker over the middle of the field. And what you're looking for at the tight end position now are guys that can create mismatches. I believe he can do that. And coming from Alabama, I think he's tough enough. He has been exposed to enough of the running game to be a factor when it comes to blocking. I am fine with Irv Smith being maybe the third tight end that comes off the board, but coming off the board in the first round. Jonah Williams, guard or tackle? I'm going to start him out at tackle. I'm going to give him every opportunity right to fail. Right tackle or left tackle? You know, like – because I think now both tackles have to be effective, but probably he's best, better suited to play on the right side. That's what I got from an NFL um, line. He needs to yep. be a guy that can um, kind of handle, I guess, more of the base defensive end, the guy that is not as athletic. But what defensive guys are doing now, they're tricking you and putting their best pass pressure on that side yeah, to, yeah. so they can work against the inferior tackle. But I think he's good enough. Give him every opportunity to play on the outside. If he fails, move him inside to guard. But I think he can succeed at right tackling the pros. Lastly, Mac Wilson, because we didn't really see anything from Deontay Thompson. Mac Wilson, interesting guy, right? I mean, probably has more of the measurables that you would want from a linebacker in today's NFL. A little bit bigger, maybe even a. I got this from an NFL coach who said he kind of likes his speed and strength and explosiveness, maybe even a little bit more than the two Devons, Devin White mm. and Devin Bush. Okay. But you just don't see the impact that those two guys had from Mac Wilson. And so you're wondering, like, he kind of likened it to, all right, this is a guy, Mac Wilson, who sees a crack coming. He's kind of going to take yes. it. Yes. Where the other two guys will do something you about over. it. Yeah, their right? personality, their, per, their playing personalities are a little different. They're a little nastier, a little grittier. But Wilson is an outstanding player uh, against the ball in terms of in coverage. Does a great job of getting his hands on balls. He'll come down with interceptions. He can drop. He can float to the ball. All of those things. Just a different personality, though. And so how does that play in meeting rooms when you're meeting him for the first time? How well does he interview? I think a lot of that will determine where he's drafted because – the play speaks for himself. He's a very, very good player. I call him a B-plus player. In my estimation, he's a borderline first-round player. The personality, I think, can push him over the top on either way. Either he's a push him into the first round or drop him out of the first round based on how he interacts with the coaches on the, on the interviews. We talked about Drew Locke for about four hours today on NFL Network. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we did. We talked two, about him a little bit. Two and a half hour lead up to Let's a just tw- give about four minutes then. How about that? We'll four, do four, four minutes. minutes. You got it. Drew Locke. I'm going to put it on the clock. Uh, here we go. You gave him a B, Bucky. Lay it out for me. Yeah, I gave him a, I gave him a B on his pro day performance because he has some, some missed throws. But 
regardless of what he did today, I think he's a very intriguing prospect because, man, he has outstanding physical tools. I mean, he's the height that you want. He has exceptional arm talent. He's a very, very good athlete. He can make big-time throws down the field. He can make them off-platform, inside and outside the pocket. Uh, the thing that troubles you about Drew Locke is inconsistency. You look at the low completion percentage. He is under 60 for his career. You don't like that. Um, he does miss um, at times on that intermediate yeah. area. And he wasn't he exposed did, to a lot a of bit today. intermediate throws. And then when you watch the pro day workout, he kind of struggled a little bit in that, that 10 to 18-yard area um, with those throws. But saying all of that, if I am a team looking for a franchise quarterback and if I have the luxury of having a guy already in the building, Drew Locke is the first guy that I would be willing to sign up and take because – his talent reminds me a lot of Matthew Stafford, and I think you get him right now where you don't have to rush him onto the field. I believe you can teach him how to play the right way. Just watching that, how he progressed in the Senior Bowl from Monday to Saturday, you saw a guy who kind of understood when John Gruden was coming at him hard. He responded to it, played well, practiced well. Yeah. I that's like a, that. So I think that's important. I think yeah. that's an important uh, point there, yeah. Yeah, so when you think about the development potential that he has, if you're able to redshirt him for a year or even more, I think you have an opportunity to really uncover a really, really talented player that becomes a long-term starter for a long time. Uh, I'm with you there. And, you know, we talked about range. We talk about that a lot, ceiling and floor on, on uh, Path to the Draft every Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern time right here on NFL Network. I, do you see him getting past the Redskins at 15? Potentially. Depending yeah. on what the Redskins uh, are thinking and how they love their guys currently on their roster. But I think the range for Drew Locke can be – we've talked about 10, but I'm going to drop it down a little bit. 15 to 28 from the Washington Redskins to the L.A. Chargers. There are a handful of teams in between that can make moves. The Redskins at 15. The Oakland Raiders in the 20 certainly yeah. can make a move. Uh, you talk about the old guard when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you talk about the New York Giants having another bite of the apple. Sure, at 17. Um, yeah. I mean, like those teams, uh, the Chargers having a mix. So I think he could be in play uh, at the bottom of the first round by a team that has a veteran quarterback that is a year or two away from kind of walking off into the sunset. Drew Brees would be a great guy to get, develop, and then see how he plays out. Lastly on this one, I thought it was interesting. You compared him to Matthew Stafford. Steve Weich told us that Drew Locke mentioned the Lions are a team he's meeting with. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Here is why it doesn't surprise me. Bring it. The Detroit Lions (laughs) may be ready to move on from Matthew Stafford only because Matt Patricia wants to play a certain way. And if you think about the way the Patriots play traditionally, Tom Brady is one of those guys who is okay doing different things. He's older now, though. He'll run the ball. He doesn't mind handing the ball off to the running back 20, 25 times. He'll throw when he has to throw. He doesn't have to put it all on himself. I don't know if we can get Matthew Stafford to do that because Matthew Stafford has only played one way for his entire career in Detroit. He's always had it all on him. Now, he's never really had the luxury of having a strong running game behind him, but when you look at what the Detroit Lions are doing, the Detroit Lions are trying to play a little more old-school, traditional ball. They go and get Darrell Belva to be their new offensive coordinator. Uh, Matt Patricia has talked about being able to run the football. Defensive coach wants to run it, play good defense, keep the score down, control the game with the run. Will Matthew Stafford sign up to do that? So 
if you can't get Matthew Stafford to do that, how about we go to the lab and make a Matthew Stafford clone that has similar traits, it's but we teach him how to play the game the quote-unquote right way. I love Stafford. Um, I mentioned to you today on our Pro Day special, Stafford is still one of the guys that the Mannings talk about as the most impressive that has run through the Manning oh, Passing super Academy uh, every, all summer. But I, I mentioned I talked to Archie this morning and said he was in love with the way the ball came out of Drew Locke's hand. Uh, he didn't make the comparison, but I'm just I'm bringing that up um, because he was, he was really impressed by him. So Matthew Stafford's a top 10 quarterback in the league right now. Am I right or am I wrong? Oh, I think you can make the argument. I think like some people will say, yes, he is. Some people will say, no, he's not. That's bold. Um, Last year, I was willing to say he was the MVP until it kind of the, the yeah. wheels fell off. Yeah, it fell his off last year, uh, he got hurt. Remember, he got hurt. Yeah. I think at the, the pinky or the hand. Some, yeah, because even yeah. then they they finished ten and six. Jim Caldwell's last year. Yeah, nine and six, nine and seven, nine and seven. Almost made the playoffs. Yeah. They had a winning record. Yeah, and so he was playing really well until he got hurt. Yeah, and so I mean, you're right now. Matthew, yeah. Matthew Stafford was number one. They were nine and seven. So Matthew Stafford was number one overall. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Oh, All right, look, so that's interesting. I think the Denver Broncos are interesting at number 10 if John Elway falls in love with a big arm. Um, we've seen that happen in the past with Paxton Lynch, right? Oh, yeah, we don't want to make that mistake again. And I'm not saying that by any means that, that Drew Locke is Paxton. And, um, but it, it's, it's, fun. it's fun to play that game, and, and we shall see. We'll continue talking about where Drew Locke fits as we continue. Again, uh, Path to the Draft every weekday, 6 p.m. Eastern time. And, of course, all of your MTS content, NFL.com slash MTS video or YouTube.com slash NFL, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Subscribe, download, write a review, and catch DJ back in the saddle next week. You good, Buck? I'm good to go. All right, let's get some sleep. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring – your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.